I wanted to just remind us the Olympics are coming, gentlemen. Yes, they are coming. So we've said this the whole time that you're making some kind of goal that you're working towards because the Olympics in July of 2024 are going to be in Paris and every one of you are going to be watching them. Whether it's the rowing or whether it's the basketball or whether it's the gymnastics or something, you're going to watch them and you're going to be sitting there saying, I should have taken up Paul's charge to make a goal. So I want you to make a goal and think about what you want to, thank you Olympic music, uh, what, what is it, what's one thing that you, you want to say, hey, by, by nine, nine and a half months, we started at 11 months, so you're already six months down if you haven't started. It, when I'm sitting there, I want to say, hey, by that time, this has happened. I've, I've worked on making this happen. Could be something physically, could be something spiritually, could be something relationally. But just like every athlete that's going to the Olympics, they're training very purposefully right now and they're lining it all up so they're in the best shape of their lives in July and so we're just thinking about that and our training manual that we're using is this book that most of you have run to win uh, if you don't have it you have to buy it we gave out our first hundred sorry uh, but um, we'd love this is just a training manual this is like core exercises for you to strengthen your relationship with God so that whatever you're choosing, you'll benefit from uh, these core exercises. Today, we're going to talk about the church, and Brandon Hart is going to lead us off on his experience with that and then pray for us. Thank you, Brandon. I want to start by saying, oh, there we go. I want to start by saying, that because of the church, I'm a better man. Um, so if nothing else, you here today hear that. Because of not just the church, but because of this church, I'm a better man. Um, this book says, plan to run, train to run, run to win. So what does that look like when you're trying to prioritize your church? And do you even need to do that? Um, to run well, it says in the book, to run well, you need the service of the church, and you need to serve the church. And how have I seen that in my life? Um, first off with planning. When my wife was pregnant with our son, uh, we both grew up in the church, but through college and shortly after college, we weren't part of any church here in Wilmington. She gets pregnant, we realize, okay, we're responsible for another human being. It's time to get our priorities straight. And so we looked around, and, and which I would encourage everybody to do. If you don't have a home church right now, look around, okay? Shop around. We did a little shopping. We went to uh, probably five or six churches here in Wilmington. Um, and like them all, but just something wasn't, it, it just wasn't the fit for us. I had a friend invite me to this thing called Iron Leadership, which you're sitting in right now. And I think I probably told him six or seven times, no, I'm good. I can't make that. That doesn't sound like that's for me. Um, but eventually ran out of excuses. And I've been coming here ever since from the first time I walked in. And I was like, wow, this, I have been missing this in my life. I need this. This, this served a need for me that I didn't even know I was missing. Um, 
shortly thereafter, I'm like, Candace, we got to, if, if this is, if this church is offering this on a Friday morning, we got to go see what Sundays are like. We came, she loved it. And uh, shortly after that, Paul comes and finds me. He's like, hey, I see you've been coming around the church a little bit. You want to read the book of Mark with me? And of course, at first, I'm like, what's this guy? I, I don't know this guy. Was he asking me to come meet with him privately? But that led to where I am now. I'm eternally grateful for that. Whatever led Paul in his heart to do that um, has, cha- has made me a better man. It's made me a better husband. It's made me a better father. And, and that's the church, okay? That's the church being a priority in my life. Even when I was sort of looking for it, um, not really sure what I was looking for, um, the Holy Spirit led, led us here. But that just got us through the door, right? I mean, that can get you through the door, but that's not fulfilling everything. The next part of it is train, right? So as you come in and, and the church is serving you, the next thing you need to be doing is how can you serve? There's a part in the book that says, all right, once you've gotten the service from the church, how can you now step up? There's a question in there that asks, who can I serve today? Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. I've been very thankful that the church has asked me to be a deacon here, um, serving in many different ways. And even, you know, in some cases when it might be, hey, there's a wedding this weekend and we need the church uh, broken down and reset. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got five million things to do. It doesn't matter. This church takes priority in my life. If I have to say no to dinner with a friend one night because the church needs me to be here to serve people, that that's what's going to take priority. And then finally, running to win. The last part in running to win would be go all in, serving at the church, but then being the spiritual leader in your house that your family needs you to be. So every husband in here, every father, um, or just every man in this room, okay, you're a leader. You need to be the spiritual leader in your house. You need to be the one that is encouraging everybody. Sunday morning, we're we're going to church. You be the one to be excited about it. And asking, hey, what what y'all talk about in Sunday school? You need to be the spiritual leader in your house. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone here to run to win. I pray for church to be a priority in their life, not just a place to go on Sunday and to be served, but to serve. Especially pray this for all the husbands and fathers, that they are strong spiritual leaders in their lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brandon. Well, Brandon gave all the application, so I appreciate that. We're talking about prioritizing the church, and one of the reasons church is so important is because you grow better together than you do by yourself. And uh, this summer, I had the privilege of going out to California and walking through the Redwood National Forest, which is uh, it's one of those things you can see it on a picture, but it's just not the same as standing next to one of these trees. And it's like the Grand Canyon. It's a, it's a great picture, but when you stand there, you go, it's nothing like the picture. It's way, way more impressive. And these trees, they grow maybe 350 feet high, over 20 feet around. Hard to even imagine something this big. And uh, the oldest ones are over 2,000 years old. 
You just try to imagine that. Some, some little sprout came out when Jesus was born. And it's still here. I mean, it's just incredible. And when you see them, it, they're just so impressive. And I was walking around in this little tour, and the park ranger was talking about them. One thing I didn't know about redwoods was that they have a very shallow root system so that the roots grow way out but not way down. And uh, that, that's the reason they grow best together because if you, sit, you plant one by itself, it'll grow, and it might be impressive, but it'll have a tendency to tip over. You don't want a redwood tipping over on, on your house. And um, they say they grow out so they can intertwine their roots with the roots of another tree. So imagine like the fabric. It's the fabric of something isn't deep. It's all intertwined. So when you try to tear it apart, it's, it, everything else holds it together. So that's how the redwood forest grows. That's how men grow. And it's hard for men because I, that's, that's one of the greatest things about iron leadership is that we're all trying to be together. We're trying to learn something together. We're trying to talk together. We're trying to eat together. We're trying to get our lives woven together in some way so that when pressure comes on, when the world wants to try to tear you away, you've got somebody or some group of people like a forest around you holding you together. And so I thought for our little video today, we'd take a little two-minute stroll through the Sequoia National Park. The Sequoias are cousins of the Redwoods. And I wish I could take you there, but this is the best I can do. And uh, I love the, how the, the, the cinematographer, the artist, the very end, you'll see it, um, and you'll see one of these big root systems of a tree tipped over. But at the very end, the way he ended the video was a pine cone of a redwood next to a redwood to say, hey, this is where you start, but this is where you can end. And that's what I want to say for you. Even if you feel like I'm still like in the pine cone, this is where you can end if you grow together.
enjoy your little journey through the Sequoia National Park. <laughs> this size, you, you know, you, you, th you, you think they're big, and then somebody walks in the frame, and you're like, holy cow. Um, but to get to that place, these trees have to grow together. So for you to, to be strong, and Brandon was talking about it in some what he was saying to he got he drifted away from the church and there was only so much growth he was going to have just all by himself which is going to be pretty small he's never going to get very much farther than the pine cone but once he got connected once he got together he began to grow his whole family began to grow and he began to connect himself to other people who then stabilized their lives because brandon's involvement and so I want to talk about the priority of the church and I want to do it from three different ways you can follow along on your outline uh, the, the, the some reasons it's important to prioritize your church. And I would say the first reason, and you can look at uh, Matthew 16, is worship. I, I might say this is the most important reason to prioritize your church. Humans were designed to be worshipers. So every human is going to worship. It'd be like humans are designed to breathe you're going to be alive you're going to breathe if you're going to be alive you are going to worship it's not a question of whether you're going to worship the question is what will you worship and so every human being is designed to worship and the church is where you come together and you're reminded hey i worship the lord and you're you're doing it together in a group of people the westminster confession of faith what's the chief end of man what's the answer to glorify God and enjoy him forever. In other words, to worship. That's, that's the end of mankind. The highest thing you can be involved with is, is glorifying God, to worship God. When the wise men come to seek Jesus, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. They're, they're transferring their allegiance. We've come out of the... Uh, out of uh, the, the East, where we had a different kind of religion, but we're coming to a new king, and we're transferring our allegiance to this king. And so that's what worship does. It, it reminds you, hey, I've transferred my allegiance from the world to, to the Lord. And when we worship together, you're reminded every week, hey, I'm part of a church. I'm a part of a group who worships the Lord. Because if you're like me, the tendency is to get up this morning, have a nice breakfast, go out into the world, and then you, your idols start appearing. Money, success, what, importance, popularity, whatever it is. They might not be bad things, but what happens is you begin to worship things. And good things become God things. And you come back to this group, Happens on Friday morning, happens on Sunday morning, and say, okay, no, I'm a worshiper of God. And, and if you're left by yourself, you're going to drift off into all kinds of idolatry. And we want to come back and say, hey, I'm worshiping together to be with the, with the Lord. In Matthew 16, it's a very interesting passage, one you're, most of you are familiar with. Jesus takes his disciples on a field trip. And they go to this town called Caesarea Philippi, and we don't, you read it, you don't really know about it, but it'd be like if, say, if I said, hey, I went to Las Vegas. You'd go, oh. I mean, things would come to your mind, like, what'd you do in Las Vegas? 
Hope you didn't do some things in Las Vegas, right? It would just, it, there, some things would get stirred up. Well, if you read from a Jewish perspective and you say Caesarea Philippi, same thing, like, whoa, you went to Caesarea Philippi. Because in Caesarea Philippi was known for idol worship. And there was this great mountain, and in the mountain there, were, uh, there was a temple of Zeus, there was uh, a temple for the, great, the god Pan. There were all these niches and little rocks with little idols in it. And there was a big hole that a spring came out of that was known as the gateway to hell. And it's because that's where the, the gods went in the, in the wintertime. And you came to worship in the spring, hoping the, the water would come back out in the spring and fertilize your land and you would go there and worship and the way you worship was either human sacrifice or sexual sacrifice in some way so this is the place jesus takes his disciples and he says well who do you say that i am see he takes them and he stands on this rock and behind is this whole group of idols and he says, I'm, I'm trying to stand on the stage of the world stage of all these idols. Who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, you're, you're the Christ. You're, you're different than all these people. You're the son of the living God. You're not part of this group. You're completely different. And then Jesus says, yes, that's right. And then you, if you remember, he, Jesus' response was, and on this rock, so he's standing on a very rocky place, and I'm going to build my, what did he say, church. I'm going to build my group of people. I'm going to build my worshipers. See, everybody's come to worship, and they want something from their worship. They want their, 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 their fields to be watered. They want their prosperity. They want, and they're, they're worshiping. They're making sacrifices to these gods. And Jesus is coming saying, I'm taking over all this, and I'm going to build my church so people come and worship me, and they get real life. I'm going to build my church. So every heart, Jesus knows, and John Calvin says this, every heart is a factory of idols. If you know your heart very well, you know this. If you don't know your heart, you're going, what do you mean a factory? But if you know your heart, you're like, yeah, I can make almost anything into an idol. Like, that's going to be life-giving. And you have to come back into the church, the group of God's people, to get, get connected back and say, okay, I'm not worshiping that. I'm not worshiping that. I'm, I, I would like to. I can feel my heart's tendency to. But I'm knitted back together with a group of 50 or 60 men. I'm, I'm knitted back together with a church group. I'm coming here to serve and be served, to connect because I'm reminding myself every Sunday, I'm a worshiper of God. So one core part of our being is worship. And we have to prioritize the church in order for us to become worshipers. Now, second point, the church in Greek means is ekklesia. And it means to be called out or the called out ones or the assembly of a particular group. Ek, kalo, call, called out. You're called out. You've been called out to assemble together in a, in a different way than the world does. Hebrews chapter 11. 
in Hebrews chapter 11, it's called, anybody know what they, Hebrews 11 is sometimes called? The Hall of Faith, right? So it's got all these listings of people and their, their great acts of faith. And at the end of the time, uh, chapter 12, let me just turn there. Hebrews chapter 12, he gets to the end of the Hall of Faith. And look at verse 12, I mean chapter 12, the very first word, hopefully in your Bible, ESV. What's the very first word in chapter 12? Therefore. So, so he's building, it's not a new thought. He's saying, here's the, here's the hall of faith, here's the hall of fame of all these different people who've, who've made sacrifices, who've seen God, who've been sawn in two. Therefore... What's he say? Since you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, now let us, let us. In other words, he's saying, hey, it's your turn. I mean, let's, let's not just live in the past and say these people were great. They were. Let's, let's remember them. But let's take courage so that we join chapter 11. Does that make sense? Chapter 11 isn't closed off to just these people. Therefore, you join. You, it's your turn. You're the assembly of the called out ones. All these people in chapter 11, they lived at different times. They had different pressures. And, but they were called out to live for God for, at, at a particular point at, with particular problems. And you are called out. And you're living at a particular time when it has particular problems. And, and the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, it's your turn. He's calling you out. He's saying, come join this assembly. Be a part of the hall of fame, of faith. You're called out. You're supposed to be different from the world. That's why he says in verse 2 or verse 1, you've got to lay aside the weight of sin. See, if you're called out, there's some weights that you bring with you from the world that you've got to say, I've got to put that, that weight down. That's the way the world operates. That's the way the world thinks. That's the way the world does. Brandon is a great example. Just, we didn't even plan this, but you've helped me so much. When the world calls me to do something that might be helpful, I'm going to put that weight down and prioritize my church. I'm just going to say, hey, there's some things out there that might be good. Might might be some bad things, sinful things you got to put down. But if you're called out, you're called out of something. And to be the called out ones, to be the ones that are assembled together to worship, there's going to be have to have to be some things you say, I got to let go of that. It's like that the camel through the eye of the needle. I can't carry all this stuff from the world through. I I got to let some things go. And in verse 14, the opposite of laying aside every weight of sin strive for holiness strive you see that 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 i've I've got these weights it's very athletic view i've got these dumbbells i'm carrying around what do they call that like the fireman's carry in that what that is where you pick up heavy dumbbells and you walk around the gym and you just got to say what's it called farmer's carry sorry i got the f right on that farmer fireman the farmers carry. You carry these weights around, and it, it strengthens your core. But you're, we're carrying these weights around from the world that in order to, to be call, called out once, we've got we to let these go. 
And when we let them go, then we have to strive. You have to, you have to make an effort to strive forward because you're the called out ones. Strive for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Here's how Tim Challies, the guy who wrote the book, he talked about it in his book. The local church is central to God's plan for the world. The, the local called out ones. It's the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. I bet most of us don't really think that way. I think the hope of the world is either the next election or the hope of the world is something with Russia and China and Iran. Or I mean, I've got a lot of things that, like, the hope of the world is, th- is it. It's like bigger. And, and Chalice is reminding us what Jesus says. No, the hope of the world, the thing I'm building on this rock I'm going to build my church, it's going to be right here in the local area. It's going to be in Caesarea Philippi. It's going to be in Wilmington, North Carolina. Ethan's here, my friend, the pastor at the bridge. It's going to be at the bridge. It's going to be at Christ Community Church. That, that's the hope of Wilmington. It's not the other issues. It's not the mayor. It's not the city council. It's not the, I mean, all those things, all these positions are important. But the hope of the world is the church. Much of what God means to teach the world, listen, he teaches through the local church. Much of what he means to display in the world, he displays through the local church. Much of what he wants to accomplish in the world, he accomplishes through the local church. No ministry can outshine it. No program can replace it. No power can topple it. The local church is God's plan. He has no other plan. There is no plan B. So being involved in the local church is being a part of the power structure that God is going to use to change you and to change the world. So we've got to prioritize it. If, this, if we want to be a part of changing the world, we've got to be a part of the local church. And God uses that local church then to bring people together like these redwood trees to tie them together so they don't topple over and then to say, hey, we're going to start spreading out. We're going to drop our little pine cones and the forest is going to grow. And that's what we're going to do to change the world, be a part of the local church. And now the Hebrew writers is saying, hey, it's your turn. It's not Paul doing it. It's, it's, it's the church, all of us doing it. We want to see Wilmington change. It's going to be us. Third thing, we're called out. We're called to worship. We're called to do it together, to encourage one another. Just like the Redwoods, they can't grow by themselves. Matthew 16, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So this means a lot, but one thing it means is if you're going to join the church, all hell's going to break loose on you. He's just saying it right out front. So don't think joining the church is like the spa. Oh, everything's fine. Local church is going to have a lot of issues brought against it because Satan doesn't want the local church to succeed. He knows that's God's plan A. And so he's saying, hey, because of all hell's going to break against you, you've got to, Hebrews 10, 23, 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And how are we going to hold unswervingly? Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the, the last day approaching. So the church is an assembly of people. And I, I know for most of you, this is you're preaching to the choir, but it's not you sitting alone at the beach. That's not the church. I mean, as a pastor, this, you get, this is a pretty common thing. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't need church anymore. I, I like to just sit by myself in the woods. or I like to sit by myself in the woods, too. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And sometimes when I'm at church, I think, I wish I was sitting by myself in the woods. <laughs> not today, I'm just saying, and not when I'm around you all. I'm just saying other people that come to Christ Community Church. It's not bad, but that's not the church. The church is this a gathering of called out people who are saying, we're worshiping this and we're trying to drop these things and strive for these things. That's, that's the church. And we've got to be together in order to grow, but we've got to be together, as Brandon said, is to serve one another. And the way we serve one another is we're encouraging one another. We're trying to come alongside of each other and say, hey, let's not swerve. Looks like you're swerving. Or I'm swerving. Paul, help me not swerve. Can you grab my wheel until I get steady? That's the whole idea of being tied together is to help us other, each other not swerve off this profession that we've made. There's a pretty famous story. I don't think it's a true story, but it's a pastor's story that you would tell to a church member who sort of just drifted away. Pastor found out that one of his congregants, a man, had just stopped coming to church. You know, it was one of those, comes up all the time, comes twice a month, comes once a month, comes twice a year, doesn't come. So he visited this guy in the wintertime, and he walked into the house, and the man had a fire. And they just sat in rocking chairs by the fire, never said anything. And then the preacher reached over with some tongs, and he grabbed a hot coal out of the bottom of the fire you've seen this and just pulled it out and kind of set it on a stone a little ways away from the fire and slowly what happened to the hot coal started to get black grow cold the preacher got up and said i'll see you on sunday see if you're not in that coal bed you're gonna you're gonna grow cold it's just gonna happen there is no way for you to do it all by yourself and so we have to be together to burn hot that's why some of you come here is because you're like i i i, I don't have many coals around me i i need some i need some the the warmth of somebody else's faith for me to move forward today and that's why we meet together to encourage one another let me end here just saying two things, two words of encouragement. Um, again, really just to echo what uh, Brandon says. Make it a priority. And this is especially challenging for men. And I want you to know that the gates of hell are going to come against you to not make it a priority when you have kids. And it's going to look a lot like travel something. 
I hate to step on your toes, but not really. And you're going to spend year 5 to 18 or something thinking, oh, got to get my kid involved with every, and it's going to mean Saturdays and Sundays. And it's like, well, we're going to get to that later. I can tell you what your 18-year-old kid's not going to want to do is go to church. They're going to sit home and watch the sports that they used to play. So it's going to be it's going to be very difficult. You're going to have to go against the flow in some forms. And you're going to have to say, "Hey, I've made this a priority." And dads, Brandon said it well. You get up, you be excited, you be the one to say, "We we get to go to church today." Don't don't let your wife do it. You you be excited. You don't have to be the smartest person in your in your church in your house. You have to be the most excited person in your house. Hey, we get to go to church. It's important. I'm prioritizing that. I, I know you feel it, but the world feels fragile to me today. And fragile people aren't needed today. Redwoods are needed today. And you're not going to just suddenly be a redwood when life is fragile. You're going to have given your time and energy over time to say, I'm ready now. So you have to make it a priority. And you've got to find a way to serve. Find a way to serve. That's, how you, that's one of the ways you grow. We could talk more about